Good morning. We uh, appreciate you joining our live stream. It's God's day, first day of the week, and so we're trying to, as Christians, worship God as best we can in a way that honors Him. We miss all of you. I, I think we all enjoy getting to see each other on Sunday mornings. Maybe I should just speak for myself. I enjoy getting to see these guys on Sunday mornings, uh, but we miss having everybody here, and we look forward to getting back to all that soon, but I'm glad we have this ability we have to try to worship together as best we can. We're reading through 1 Peter in our extended scripture readings, as you've noticed on these Sunday mornings. And a couple weeks ago, we went through chapter 2, where there's a section about a house. And I thought, why don't we run with that a little bit? Because houses are our world right now. We're spending a lot of time in our houses. And in fact, I hope this, even the title, I hope doesn't uh, bring out some anger and frustration from you because we've all been getting very acquainted with our houses these last few weeks. In fact, um, if maybe like us, we've taken more walks in the last few weeks than we've ever taken before just to, just to get out of the house and, and just to, to, to see the neighborhood and say hi to somebody, the, a real person uh, walking around. Uh, we've taken a lot of walks. Uh, you may have found yourself saying things like, you know, I've been needing to clean that window, and so you clean the window. Or, or I've heard some of you say things like, I've been wanting to paint this room, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint this room. I've been needing to, to paint this door, so I'm going to paint this door. Uh, finding different things to do around the house. Yesterday I was talking on the phone to somebody and, and just sort of put my hand up, up on a window and realized that one of our window panes is loose, so I've got myself a new project to work on. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say as they've gone to Lowe's these last few weeks, people are saying, all of Memphis is at Lowe's, and it may be because we're just we're wanting something to do around the house. Maybe it's just spring, but maybe I think part of it, we're just we're seeing things we want to make better because we're spending so much time in our houses. And so I thought, why don't we look at that other house that Peter's talking about? And you may know where this is going, uh, but I hope it'll be a good study. First Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And this is another passage. As Kenny mentioned, Ephesians 2 talks about Christ as the cornerstone 1 Peter 2 is another one of those places. He says, Coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. So we come to Jesus as a living stone. He is choice and precious in the sight of God. Verse 5, You also as living stones. So we as Christians, he's writing to Christians. You as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So as you as Christians, you're like living stones, just like Jesus, the living stone. We're being built up into a spiritual house. And you may have been taught in Bible classes very early like I was. The church is not a building. This building we're in is not the church. The people are the church. Followers of Jesus Christ, those who have been united to Christ, are the church. But 1 Peter 2 and Ephesians 2 are using the image of a physical building as a mental image for the church. It's not saying the church is the building, but he's using the building as something to, to put in our minds to picture what the church is like. And so what I want us to do this morning is just run with that idea a little bit. And for me, where this idea comes from, I was at church camp years ago, and I was a counselor at church camp, and one of the other counselors got up and, and was using that mental image of the church as a, as a house and was walking through different parts of the house. And I don't remember what exactly 
which parts he used. I don't remember the details, but I remember the idea. And so I'd like us to follow that same line of thinking this morning. I thought it was a good idea way back then. I remembered it enough to at least remember the idea. I'd like us to follow that same line of thinking and think about, since we're all spending so much time in our own houses, let's spend some time getting to know this house a little bit better this morning. So what I've got is six things about God's house, then a couple takeaways at the end. I think we'll go through these sort of quickly. Number one, the church has a great builder. When you're looking at the spiritual house, the church, it's got a great builder. Um, I don't know a lot about construction, but I know enough from the outside to know that not every builder is, is the same quality. And some builders get good uh, reputations, and some builders don't have as good a reputation. Some builders go quicker than others. Some builders plan better than others. Um, the builder of this house, the church, is built up with the living stones that started with Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ himself. Remember Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus is asking his apostles, who do people say that I am? And then he makes it personal and says, who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up and says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, back in verse 16. And then Jesus goes on to say in verse 18, I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. I've always understood that to be, I, I think, if you study it for yourself, you'll find the same thing. That rock to mean what Peter just said, the foundation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, is the rock. But notice who would build the church. Jesus speaking, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Don't forget that. Don't forget that, that the church is built by Jesus Christ. It's not me that built it. It's not you that built it. It was his idea. He's the one who had the plan. Sometimes people get real down on church. I don't want anything to do with church. I've, I've seen bad things with, with church, so I'm just going to do things on my own. Don't forget, Jesus is the one who built the church. It's his idea. Don't give up on it. Number two, the church has a great foundation. When you, when you build a house, again, I don't know anything about it, but I understand you got to, I know this much, you got to put it on some sort of foundation. Jesus told a parable in Matthew 7 about the foolish man who built his house on the sand because the sand is not a good foundation. It's not going to last. The wise man built it on a rock. Now, we've been praying for Matthew's sister who lives in Chattanooga, who last weekend in the storms, um, their family was fine, but their house was all messed up by a tornado. And he was showing us some pictures this week of how the house had been moved, uh, twisted off its foundation. That's a problem. Because the foundation is needed. The house is not going to stand if it's twisted off its foundation. You've got to do something about that. And so the foundation is crucial. We could have just stayed in Matthew 16 and looked at what Jesus said, on this rock I build my church. But let me go to the passage Kenny read just a minute ago. Ephesians chapter 2, 19 through 22. And notice the foundation that's described here. He says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. And again, notice he's going to use that mental image of a real house to describe the church. He says, Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. That's the foundation of the church. Jesus is the cornerstone. So everything's got to line up with that cornerstone. That's how they would keep the, the foundation straight. You had to, have a, had to have a perfect cornerstone to line all the stones up with it for the foundation. And that foundation is made up of the people Christ spoke through. 
apostles, prophets. And so if, if the church is to be what it's supposed to be, it's got to be built on what Christ taught and lived and did and what Christ taught through his apostles and prophets. And so we, we lean on the word of God here. We lean on the Word of God and trying to make the church what God wants it to be because that's the foundation. And if you're building in a different direction on your own teachings and your own ideas, you're not building on the foundation Jesus put there. And so the, the foundation is a good one. It's the one that's supposed to be built on. Verse 21 goes on to say, talking about Jesus, "...in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together." into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So on that foundation, the church of God is constantly being built, is constantly growing as we are added to God's kingdom and as souls are added. We become a building, a house of God. So it's got a great builder, Jesus Christ, got a great foundation with Christ as the cornerstone. Church also has a great roof. What in the world do we mean by that? Um, well, it's a, I don't know where you're watching from, but those of us at Great Oaks, Memphis area. It's a rainy morning in Memphis. I don't think it's raining right this second, but if we did not have a roof this morning, this whole room would be soaked. And if we did not have a roof last weekend when the storms came through, not as bad as some other places, but the storms came through here last weekend too, um, we'd, we'd have all sorts of stuff messed up. The roof protects from storms. When, when hailstorms come through, the roof holds you up. It keeps you from having leaks in your house. And so it's a protection. Some of the things Lynn mentioned in his prayer this morning fit along with this. The idea that God, God is our protector. He's our rock. And look at what Philippians 4, 11 through 13 says about Christ as our roof of the church. Um, and here, remember Paul is writing from prison. He says, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. That's something I'm still trying to learn. Uh, but we need to learn that. Paul says, I've learned to be content no matter the circumstances. Uh, how do you do that? Verse 12, he says, I know how to get along with humble means if I don't have much. I also know how to live in prosperity if I feel like I have a lot. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Well, what's, what's the secret Paul, what's the secret of being able to be content no matter what's going on and to whether you're rich or poor, whatever the ups and downs of life, to, to stay content and all that? What's the secret? Verse 13 is the secret. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. That's a capital H on the hymn. It's Jesus Christ he's talking about. Christ is the roof over the church. That no matter what comes in life, that we have this strength that keeps the storms from beating us down. And the church in history has endured times of persecution. Like in 1 Peter, Peter's writing in a time of persecution. So that, that train of thought goes throughout the book. It's a, it's a good book to read in difficult times. Times of persecution, times of famine. Now, our time right now is a, a time when the church can't meet together because of sickness and health concerns. That's going to be part of our story. How did the church hang together and stay faithful and try to serve God in a difficult time? No matter what has come through the history of the church, Christ has been that strength that's been over us no matter what's happened. And so the church has a great roof. Number four, the church has a great light. When a house has light... Uh, you can you, you see, you can get up earlier in the morning, you can stay up later at night, you can do things around the house. 
um, we, we have light sources in our home, the light of the church. Again, we come back to Jesus Christ, John 8, verse 12. Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light. Light shows us where to go. The reason we can stay up late in our homes without school right now, you might be like us, probably staying up later with your kids than you should be, uh, need to get them in bed a little earlier. But the reason you can even stay up later is because we have lights. Um, and, and so light lets you see where you're going, lets you see what you're doing. Even if it's dark everywhere else, when you have a light, you can see where you're supposed to go. And so even if it's dark everywhere else in the world, the church has a light that sees where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do. I also think, when I think of light, I think of, I think of beauty. Um, when people look at houses, and we often look at some rooms that maybe have a big window that lets light in, we say, well, that's, that's beautiful. Or a room that's got a, a lot of light, we say, that's beautiful. I've never looked at a dark part of a house and thought, that's beautiful. We associate light with beauty. And I think about what David said back in Psalm 27, verse 4. He said, I want to spend, here's my prayer, God, I want to spend my days in the house of the Lord and behold the beauty of the Lord. There's a beauty in God. And so that light, that light shines in a beautiful way. And so when the church is following the path of Christ, the light of Christ, and when we're shining the light of Christ, people can see the beauty of Christ in us, hopefully. We don't always do it perfectly like we should. We don't always do it Christ's way like we should. But when we get it right, it's beautiful. Not because of us, because we're reflecting the light, the beautiful light of Jesus Christ. And so there's a beauty in the church. The light of the church is Jesus Christ. Number five, the church has a great door. The door on that house is, is, a, is a special one and an important one. Jesus says in John 10 verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The only way in to that church, the people of God, is through the door of Jesus Christ. In fact, just a few chapters later in John 14, verse 6, Jesus would say, I am the way, the truth, the life. And as Christians have always noticed, and Jesus said it that way intentionally, Jesus didn't say, I am a way or a truth. Uh, he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He finishes up John 14, verse 6. Jesus is the way into the people of God. And so he is, he is Christ. He is God. He is our Savior. He is the only way into this place of salvation. That door is important. And people must come in through the door. And that's why we try to share with people what Jesus has done and who He is, because we must enter the door of Jesus Christ to be part of the saved for all eternity. So the, the church, the house of God, has a valuable door. And then lastly, the church has a great owner. And again, you see how all these circle back to Jesus Christ. Acts 20, verse 28. Paul is talking to the elders of the church at Ephesus. He says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, part of the job of an elder, to try to guard the flock of God, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So the Holy Spirit gives this special job. He says, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Just to point out the value of it. 
the church which he purchased with his own blood. Jesus is the owner of the church. He bought it. He bought it with his own blood on the cross of Calvary, which tells you the high price that he was willing to pay, the high price that had to be paid, and that he was happy to pay because he cared about us. And so he pours out his blood to, to buy the church, buy, bought it with his own blood. And so the church, over and over again, if we picture it as a house and we just think through all the parts, it always comes back to Christ. A couple takeaways I hope we get. You may have 10 more I haven't thought of, but at least two takeaways I want to end with this morning. From just picturing the church as a house and thinking about the different parts. Number one, don't miss that idea. The church and Christ go together. Can't separate them. So many people in our, in our culture want to just be individualistic, even in their faith. Just do it on their own. I don't want a church. I don't need a church. Um, don't forget, as we've seen over and over, Christ is he's the one who built it. He's the cornerstone. He's the protector. He's the light. He's the door. He's the owner who bought it. Christ believes in the church. From beginning to end, this has been His plan. And even though, yes, I realize people will not be perfect, and yes, I realize even as Christians we will hurt each other sometimes and mess up sometimes, and we won't always get it right, but this is still the group of people that Jesus wants us to live out our faith with. He knows this is the best possible place to be with other people who are trying to live for God through life. And I know we're missing that a lot right now, but we need to hold on to, to remember how valuable that is so when everything goes back to as close to normal as it will be, that, that we can all remember the church is important. This is the people God wants us to live life with because it makes us better to be around other people of faith. Uh, people may not believe in the church. But Jesus believes in the church. And if I'm going to follow Jesus, I need to believe in the church as well. Then secondly, don't miss, if you really believe that Jesus believes in the church, I want to make the church everything Christ wants it to be. Not just what I want it to be. Not just what I think my community might want it to be. Not just what I think the world might want it to be. It's His church. And one of the things we've been so committed to in Churches of Christ, we, we put Church of Christ on the sign intentionally, not to try to make a denomination. We don't think God wants denominations. We don't think God wants us to be fencing ourselves off. But we put Church of Christ on the sign to try to be undenominational and to try to recognize he, it's His church. He built it. He, he made one of them. We want to be part of that one church that, that Christ established, the people of God. And so it's His church. And so we want to try to get everything in the church where He wants it to be. And my impression is sometimes in the religious world, some people think it's strange and they'll, they'll say things like, why do you care so much about how you worship? And why do you care so much about, about teaching exactly how to be saved? And why do you care so much about how you organize the church? And that list go on and on. But if you reframe that question, that question just a little bit and ask the question, uh, what does Jesus think about worship in His church? Does He care? Well, why would you want to get worship the way Jesus wants it? Well, now it's a little easier question to answer. Why would you want to organize the church the way Jesus wanted the church to be organized? Well, now it's an easier question to answer. Why would you want to teach salvation the way Jesus wanted it to be taught in His church? Just a reminder that this is all His. 
He's the one who, who's the head of the church. He built it. He bought it. This is not my thing. It's not your thing. We are followers of Christ. And so it only makes sense to me that if it's his church and I'm trying to follow him, why would I not try to get everything the way he wants it to be? And again, I realize we're not going to be perfect. We're not doing it to try to earn our salvation or to try to be better than anybody or to try to look down. We're doing it because we want to honor Christ. It's His church. Why would we not try to get everything in the church as close as we can to what He wants it to be? That's been a big goal of Churches of Christ, and, uh, and it's a goal we hope everybody is trying to pursue, trying to make the church everything Christ wants it to be. One more thing I want us to notice with our closing statement this morning. There at the end of Ephesians chapter 2, notice that last verse. He says, In whom you also are being built together, notice this phrase, into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. The one who lives in that spiritual house we've been talking about is God Himself. It's not just a group of people. It's not just a group of people who, who come together and talk to each other. God is living in His people. 1 Corinthians 3 describes as the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6 says the same thing, the temple of the Holy Spirit. God is living in us. And so let's not, let's not forget to show that. Let's show that God is really living in us. This is, this is why we, we work hard, even in difficult times, to, to make sure we, we worship God. We want to show God living in us. This is why we try to encourage each other. We want to show God living in us. This is why we try to help people. This is why we try to keep teaching. This is why we try to do all the things Christians do, whether times are easy or difficult, because God is living in us. There's a strength there. We want to make sure people know about it, people see it in His people. This morning, if you're not a Christian... We can get together and keep a nice social distance. We can talk online through Zoom or go to meeting or whatever else. We can find a way to study the Bible together if you're interested in becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. It's the most important decision of your whole life. Here are some things the Bible says you have to do. We sometimes call them the steps to salvation because every one of these things the Bible says must be done. You need to hear about Jesus, believe in Jesus. Turn from your sins. Repentance is a commitment to turn from your sins. Confess your faith in Christ and be baptized into Christ. And at that moment of baptism, those steps have all been taken. They all come together in the salvation that is given to us by God. If you're interested in that, please reach out to us and we'll find a way to talk about it. If there's anything you'd like us to pray about, again, please reach out to us, whether through the website, whether through text, calls, emails, we are here to help each other, even at this, these weird times where we can't be together. We're here to help each other. Let us know if we can pray for you about anything. Let's end our lesson time with a prayer, and then we'll have a closing song and a closing prayer. God, thank you so much for your church. We are thankful that it was your plan to not just leave us on our own to try to live out our faith, but to bring us together and alongside other people who are trying to live for you so that we can encourage each other, so we can lift each other up when we fall. God, help us never to forsake your church. Help us never to go our own way and try to do it ourselves. Um, help us, Lord, to, to stay connected as best we can. And God, we're truly thankful that not only are we a people together, but that you live in us. God, please help us to show that to each other and to our world. 
God, if any of us have not been living right for you, please convict us of that. Please help us to take the, the right steps that we need to take to get our lives right with you, to make that most important decision of making sure our soul is where it needs to be, saved through Jesus Christ. Help us to live for you this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.